and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Leron Landis and the late Patty Fink. And our guest today is Jeremy Wayne from the Turtle Creek Corral. Now, of course, we're going to be talking uh, mostly about the abortion uh, decision. But I want to just introduce Jeremy. He's the executive director of the Turtle Creek Corral. They have a concert at the Meyerson on July 2nd and 3rd. Yes, 2nd and 3rd. And then uh, they're taking the concert to New York. July 9th, it's going to be at Carnegie Hall, which is just real exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. And I'll be at that one. <laughs> um, Patty. Well, I, I just feel like this is something that you should introduce, and coming from me, not the same. Well, it, it, it's, it's grim. I, I think it's incredibly grim uh, for women everywhere in this country um, and young girls. Um, we have been um, stripped of our right to bodily autonomy, something no man would ever tolerate. Right, so you're saying this is not just about abortion at all? No, this, is, this is far beyond abortion, and it has never, ever been about, quote, babies for the right wing that has done this. For, the, for decades, right-wing organizations and churches and religious organizations were um, pro-choice and supported abortion. And this is a, this is a manipulation of people um, to vote for Republicans. This is what this is about, and it's about controlling women. This has never been about the babies. Um, and we hear something like, like has just been discussed this morning, um, where the Texas Republicans are now looking to, um, to write legislation that would allow um, a woman to be prosecuted by a Tarrant County DA if the Dallas DA does not prosecute her for violating the law. So they're, and they want to come after women who leave the state for services. Several states have that legislation already in place. And I, I don't know how they can possibly legally, constitutionally do that. But hey, stare decisis doesn't mean anything anymore to the United it's States Supreme exactly. Court. I was just about to say. You know, and how do how do how do judges all the way up and down the judicial system in our country operate today when they when someone like Clarence Thomas can say, let's just take down all these other things too. Here's my list. Who um, wants to take down Griswold? He wants to take down Lawrence v. Texas. He wants to take down Obergefell and v. Loving. Hodges. No, he did not list Loving. Oh, why? Because that one affects him. That would yeah, affect him personally, but yeah. he didn't care about screwing everybody or all right, the other right. Americans, uh, you know, out of their rights. Um, and this has just been mind-numbing and devastating for women across the country. And if, it, if you're a woman who supports this, I have no sympathy for you when something happens to your daughter. Um, it, it, this, it, you know, I, I get it you know, from a, a woman's perspective, but men too, I have been really shook up about this. I have a daughter. Yeah. I have a teenage daughter. Um, and I talk to her about her body it's your body. Nobody can touch your body unless you allow them to touch it. Um, that's your temple. Um, you know, when we got age appropriate, talking about the birds and the bees, you know, you know, you never have to have a baby if you don't want to. That is completely up to you, 100% your decision. I had to walk that back this weekend. Oh, that's, oh, that's heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. So um, it's, it, it, I'm just at a loss of words. Um, 
I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Um, all I can do is hope and pray and fingers crossed that it never gets to that point. But you just never know. And there's, there's so many things wrong with this decision. There's so many. The, the Republican Party has said repeatedly that they're about the babies and about supporting the birth of babies. But they've, and now they're talking about, oh, we need to do something about the safety net. You haven't done a freaking thing about the safety net in decades. Right. right. Since before this decision, since Roe v. Wade even, 49 years ago. The governor they haven't done of, anything. The governor of South Dakota was on Face the Nation this morning, and she said, oh, well, we're going to give people access to health care and give them the information they need for, abort, uh, for uh, adoption and we're going to give them all these things. South Dakota is not giving women free health care. Uh, no, what she pregnant. meant, what she talked about was, was we're going to be working with the churches and the religious nonprofits. So what that really means is the state of Nebraska is doing zip. Right. And they're going to rely on religious organizations to provide all of that care. And so what does that mean? They're going to, a woman has to not only subject herself to the state coming into her uterus, but now she has to subject herself to some sort of religious, un unforeseen religious indoctrination in order to receive services. Because that's how it's going to work. Mm -hmm. That's how it's going to work. So... It's, it's really, really crazy to me that, that none of that safety net is there. They've never cared about it before. They're not going to care about it going forward. And, and then um, the other part of it is how expansive this is going to be for all women. Mm -hmm. And it's going to hit the women who support this decision. And they're going to they're cry some deep tears and let them cry their deep tears when their daughter dies from a miscarriage. Right. And it's not allowed to be treated. Right. That's the, the people, you're, you're right, people don't understand. When you have a miscarriage or there are reasons to expel, and you need to medically expel the tissue. But, but that, that's part of an abortion. That's also part of a, an abortion. It's the same procedure. It's the same procedure. To evacuate the uterus. So now, literally, we don't, what, what do those women do now? That they die is Depends what they on do. The state. Yeah, yeah. And so let, let's let's go back to where you were saying earlier, Patty, about you know um, the attorney, attorney general and different um, uh, counties can now do something to you know prosecute somebody else from a different county. Where does Texas fall as far as because you know they have the six week ban that the Supreme Court never uh, uh, stopped, um, but also I was told that or from my understanding that Texas is one of the states that had trigger laws, which mean if, uh, if Roe v. Wade was overturned, there's a law on the books that would automatically ban abortion. Yes. So is Texas, as of right now, abortion is banned in Texas? Right now, SBA prevails for 30 days from the decision. Gotcha. Um, and then there is a trigger law in place that automatically goes into effect where um, abortion is banned in the state of Texas. How um, about in the case of saving the life of the mother? I, I don't think that's in there. That's, n that's not in there. Um, incest, rape, none of that is in there. There's, n there's, there's no exception. There's no, no exception whatsoever. Yeah. And, I, and I, I think that's, again, it's mediocre white men. You know, and I have to say that because a lot, of, a lot of white men, if it were a fair playing field, would never be in positions of power. There would be women, there would be men of color. Mm -hmm. They have won their positions out of existing and writing laws like this, and or making rulings like this, and writing laws that support rulings like this. So, you know, for women in this country, 
you know, when you have to, when a woman on the floor of a, of a House of Representatives in a state has to stand there and explain to another, to a mediocre white man behind the lectern, what an ectopic pregnancy is. Right. He doesn't have a clue. He wants to have them banned or eliminated as an exception, like not even in the case of an ectopic pregnancy. And still he hears what it's about from a woman physician who is also a representative, and he says, you know what, I don't care. I think we should, right. Right. We should ban that. That's not about babies, and that's not about it's women's not, lives. No, no. Because you know what happens in an ectopic pregnancy? The, 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 the embryo implants in the fallopian the tube or in, in the viscera. All right. And it will kill the embryo, and it will kill. All right. The mom, yep. and this is this is how they think. It's so crude and uneducated and heartless, absolutely heartless. You know, only fifteen percent of, of people in this country support no exceptions. Support no abortion and no exceptions. Well, if you're pro-life, you should be pro the mother's life. They don't care. No, they, don't they don't care. care. I, I, let me reword that. If you're pro-life after birth, you should support saving the life of the mother. Now, one of the um, things that I've heard is, well, uh, religion has won in this case. Not my religion. Yeah, and there's a case in your religion that's going yes, forward. We've, we've already sued. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, Good. a uh, synagogue in South Florida is suing. Because there are, there's a, there, in I think it's in Leviticus, there's um, one law that says when you have to have an abortion, and that's to save the life of the mother. Mm. Now, since the ruling does not cover that at all, uh, they're suing on those grounds that you're violating my religion, because well, in Reform Judaism, the rule is about abortion or the policy on religion, it's not a rule. Uh, abortion should be widely available, they should be affordable, but rarely accessed. Now, rarely accessed takes into account the Griswold decision, which is the decision that allowed birth control to go mm -hmm. into effect. Uh, the idea is if birth control is widely used, and again, affordable, widely available, and widely used, it brings down the need for abortion, which does not take into account at all rape, incest, those kinds of things. And those are the cases that in Judaism there should be an abortion. And under Israeli law, uh, I had a friend in college who moved to Israel right after uh, college, and she developed cancer and she was pregnant. And under Israeli law, she had to have an abortion so that she could start her chemotherapy. Yeah, yeah. There was not a choice there. Mm. It was save the life of the mother, period. That's the law. Yeah, and I, I actually have encountered women in my orbit who are, are you know, firmly believe in, in um, their so-called pro-life. They're pro-birth. Let's just put that yeah, way. Yeah, they, they're pro, very much pro-birth. Um, and and call themselves feminists, which I think is insane. Um, certainly not what I, how I define a, a feminist. Um, and no, zero, not even a moment's hesitation. Um, 
about the life of, of a, the mother. And I, I've had many, many conversations with so-called pro-life, pro-birth voters, and when I'm out block walking over the last how many years, and not one, not one um, has not struggled with it when we had, had that discussion. And yet, you know, like this woman and many others that I've encountered, no, yeah, not even a, a hesitation for a moment. Mm. And if it's if it's her daughter or um, her granddaughter or somebody she really cares about, I guess that doesn't matter. Let them die. And I just don't understand that way of thinking. I don't either. It's it comes from a very different place than I've ever been. You know, it's I I, I just don't understand. I don't understand the women about it. But I have to write them off because. Um, they're not out for my rights. They're not standing up for me. They're certainly not standing up for queer people, <laughs> for um, anyone to have their own independent, you know, choice about matters involving their personal lives, the most intimate personal things you can do, and yet they can't wear a mask All right. in a global pandemic. That's a right they've been infringed on. Well, let's talk, let, let's <laughs> talk about but, their pro-life. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the case that got us here and this was a case that came out of mississippi um they banned abortion at 15 weeks of course it's got all the way up to the supreme court and that was the issue before them what the justices did they went out of their way they didn't have to um and roberts opposed that and roberts and roberts addressed that he so it was a 5-4 and a 6-3 decision it was a 5-4 decision on overturning roe v wade it was a 6-3 decision on the issue before them upholding the mississippi Up, upholding law. the mississippi law so they could have done that and just left it alone they and went, roberts made that point and he made you that didn't point. have to overturn you, roe you didn't have to overturn in roe. order to right. uphold the mississippi law exactly so so when they went out of their way, you know, we, we've heard before about um, uh, uh, justices um, being pol politicians. Well, this is an, ex an example of that. Well, what about in his um, uh, hearings before Congress? Kavanaugh said that uh, Roe is decided law. Yep. Yep. Okay, so he lied before Congress to charge under oath before Congress in yep. the country. Yeah, so do impeachment proceedings begin? Um, I don't understand any of them. They, they all lied. They all lied. Amy Coney Barrett lied. Yep, she did too. Um, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh lied. Was the clearest. Gorsuch lied. Mm -hmm. Kavanaugh was the clearest. Because he said, in no uncertain terms, Roe v. Wade is set at law, is established law. Because yeah. you know what, the, as pointed out in the dissent, the facts of this case have never changed. Only the the makeup of the court, only that has changed. There's nothing dramatic or different than than the issues in in the Mississippi case. Mm -hmm. Nothing, nothing's changed. Okay, so except is, composition of the court. Is there anything ironic in on Thursday they made a court the court released a decision that uh, states cannot restrict gun rights that it's not up to states to legislate oh but states can legislate abortion it's not up to the federal government to legislate yeah that belongs with the states but states aren't i guess competent enough to to handle gun gun right. common sense gun they're laws. not but they're not 
and going that's for the federal government because New York's gun law was overturned. Right. Uh, now you can have concealed carry in New York, which has never happened in New York. And it's roots in history. That's all of that garbage in Alito's opinion about its roots in history. That New York law was 163 years old or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And oh, well. Now we have to go back to the 1600s, where Alito relies upon a guy who believed in witches. You know, I mean, that's what we're that's what we've come to. And getting, going back to the religious thing, a day or two before that opinion came out, now you can use public money, public uh, money for uh, schools to um, pay for a religious school. That one really blew my mind. Yep. So it's Gilead. Here we come, Oceania. Yeah. yeah. It's you know where we've arrived, and it's I, you know I really do a, a, a former colleague of mine uh, tweeted out that we should women should greet each other with you know under his eye and and praise be and all the things from Handmaiden's Tale going forward and I and I plan to um, and it will ruffle some feathers but I'm going to do it because <laughs> It'll that's ruffle what this my is. feathers if she doesn't greet me that way now <laughs> praise be. <laughs> You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis and the late Patty Fink. We're going to be talking with Jeremy Wayne, the executive director of the Turtle Creek Corral, right after this. Hi, this is Candy Markham, and I listen to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. Listen. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis and the late Patty Fink. And our guest is Jeremy Wayne from Turtle Creek Corral. <coughs> Welcome, Jeremy. Hey, thanks. Uh, real exciting news. You're performing at Carnegie Hall. So the question is, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? You pay for it. <laughs> You're in it just like any other hall in the world. So That's honestly, so disappointing. I'm sorry to burst your bubble there, but yeah. But can anyone rent it or? Sure. Write them a check. Wow. I did not know that. They're owned by a nice Jewish organization. So, yeah. You know, you get Carnegie Hall for people who are in the arts or know in the arts world. That's like one of the most prestigious places. In, in, at least in this country to perform, and so I always thought you had to be invited or something. Yeah, that's uh, that's what everybody thinks. I no. thought there was a combination that they I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't let just anybody show up, and, you know. But uh, and you have to present what you're going to do, and 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 I paid for seats. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I will be off in two weeks because I will be up in New York uh, at that performance. And I'm going with my aunt, who was at my wedding, which was at a Turtle Creek Corral concert, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, six of my cousins, awesome. so including my cousin Vinny. So, hmm. uh, and I don't have anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the concert is called Dreamland Tulsa 1921. So the concert's called Let Us March On. So the concert is called Let Us March On, and one of the pieces <laughs> in the concert is a piece that you commissioned called Dreamland Tulsa 1921. Yes, that's right. We, uh, about two years ago, we decided to embark on this journey to tell the story of what happened in Tulsa in 1921 with the uh, Tulsa Race Massacre and the Greenwood District of uh, of Tulsa. And so we commissioned this piece through uh, a librettist named Sandra Seaton out of Detroit. She's an African-American librettist and an African-American composer, Marcus Garrett, who uh, is out of University of Nebraska. And um, 
they came together, wrote this piece for us, and uh, it's going to be probably a large chunk of this concert. We'll be telling this story, and we have extra. Uh, we have some actors joining us as well. Some. Uh, soloists to help make up the whole piece. So since most people have now heard of the Tulsa massacre, don't know what the story is, apparently a black man got into an elevator with a white woman. Uh, something happened or nothing happened, but the Tulsa newspaper blew this incident of a black man in an elevator with a white woman, it blew it out of proportion, and it sparked a race riot in Greenwood, which was called the Wall Street, uh, the Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, it was called Black Wall Black Street. Wall Street. Yeah. It was, it was, it was more, it was more than not just a racial riot. It was more of a witch hunt. They went and looked for him. They went and looked for someone. Yeah. They wanted somebody to pay the price right. for this woman getting bumped While they were doing that, they destroyed 1,250 homes in the neighborhood. They destroyed every business in about a 15-block mm -hmm. area, uh, and they killed 300 people. The bodies have never been found. Right. Uh, Tulsa's current mayor is the one who decided we need to find this mass grave because it's documented that 300 people were killed. We just don't know what happened to them. And by the way, the um, all charges against the black man in the elevator, all charges were dropped. It, nothing happened. Right. Right. He was just there. How dare he? All right. Yeah. So it, this, the story we tell comes from, um, it kind of talks about this family, uh, Bill and Lula Williams, who owned the Williams Dreamland Theater uh, in the Greenwood District. And they had a child or children in the school there, and it was about to be a graduation. Um, so. It, it's just a normal life, you know, a normal life that any of us would have today, um, 100 years ago. And all of a sudden, this little incident happened. It got blown way out of proportion. And uh, the white people wanted the black people to pay. And they took it upon themselves to, to do that. They destroyed this whole area and um, the lives of so many people. So what's, you know, there's comparisons you can make to today, obviously. Uh, uh, particularly with, like you mentioned, the bodies. Um, we actually commissioned another piece in addition to Dreamland called Where Are the Bodies? It's by a local um, composer named uh, Reginald Wright. And it, it basically tells that story of the black and brown bodies that are lost today, every day. Um, no one knows where they are. No one asks where they are. No one. It's just, they're gone. Wow. So the power of music um, and telling this story, we hope, is going to, uh, you know, get people more involved, engaged in racial equity and that work, um, and kind of get on board and let's change this world. Darren, are you uh, uh, um, playing performances of this here locally? Yes. So we're doing two performances here at the Meyerson Symphony Center, July 2nd at 7.30 and July 3rd at 3 p.m. So you can listen to Lambda Weekly on your way to the concert on That's right. ne yes. next week. Because everybody can make it to Carnegie Hall. So... <laughs> so I'll go to I'll You're go welcome to, to join us if you want. So. Um, the Corral, or you personally, joined an, an organization here in Dallas that's new but was ongoing uh, called Dallas Truth, Racial Healing, and Transformation. Yeah, so it's a nonprofit, a local nonprofit here in Dallas that um, was started by a grant from the Kellogg Foundation to do work. Uh, they organized these groups across the nation to do racial equity work, racial healing work. And uh, the local uh, Dallas Truth, Racial Healing and Transformation 
uh, does a cohort every year where they bring in about 30 nonprofits and they go through a long nine-month process. We meet once a month um, and we learn about the history you know, right here in our city, the things that happened here, the racial injustices that have gone on and continue to go on. In Dallas? I know. It's amazing. Um, so we learned that um, and we learn how to light a fire in our own organizations mm -hmm. and try to make changes from within. So, and you had told me this during the week, a couple of things that you had ideas about that uh, to make the uh, corral more racially diverse. Yeah, so I mean, obviously we're, we have about, uh, about 250 singing members. We have about 20 to 25. So 10%, 1%, small percentage of uh, our singers are black um, or of color. And so through you know, the last several years, we've been getting feedback from them, hey, you know, sing some songs that we can connect with and do some you know, work that we can connect with. And so that's where a lot of this work has come on. And um, within the organization, we're trying to figure out ways we can be more inclusive. Uh, you think with a gay organization for 42 years that we would be able to deal with that. But it's, uh, you know, it's been white men yeah. uh, it's, for a lot of our history. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, nothing that we're necessarily proud of. It's just the history. Uh, but uh, so we're trying to do that work to be more inclusive, be more welcoming. This work is obviously a, a step in that direction. There's also, you know, our Hispanic uh, brothers that don't have music re representing them. Um, a lot of that is culturally related. There's not a lot of Hispanic choral music written. So um, our job then is to, to find those composers that will write that and connect with that, with that heritage and, and tell those stories. Mm -hmm. So that's all kind of the work that we're doing. Uh, as part of this cohort, we're looking at everything inside and out, you know, the makeup of our board, the work that we do, uh, how, where we go sing, where we have auditions, you know, what are those spaces like? Do they, do they, uh, are they welcoming to everyone? So. Yeah, I was just going to ask, is there a limit? Uh, you, how many singing members do you have now? 250, you said? Yes. Uh -huh. So is there, can it be bigger or do you have a cap? Um, we could get bigger. It kind of depends on the places we perform in, so the stage. Right now at about 250 uh, on stage, that maxes out even the Meyerson. Yeah, that's so, a lot. Yeah, we have to kind of be selected. And anybody ways. can join or, tr or, or try to join? Anyone can audition, yes. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Right. In other words, I can audition. I couldn't join. <laughs> yeah, same here. Same here. You might be surprised. You might be surprised. I think you'd be surprised if you heard me sing, which yeah, I won't same be doing here. on this I've, show. I've, I've been told I have a decent speaking voice, but singing, not so much. <laughs> we don't all need to be soloists. <laughs> you know, we need people to be, <laughs> be in the choir, you know. And uh, some people need us for other reasons. You know, community yeah. is a big part of who we are and uh, brotherhood. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that is important to some people. And singing and being up there on stage with us, um, it's just kind of part of it. But mm -hmm. it's not like they have to be the operatic soloists. Uh, but you at least got to be able to hold a tune. It helps. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, and that's where I fall down. Same well, same well. <laughs> See, and I... I'm just excluded. Well, not necessarily. <laughs> you know, we're, working on that not, we're thinking about that, too. This is not about women at all. Is it? <laughs> Again. But there is a women's chorus group, there isn't there? Is it? Yes. Yeah. And I think Patty can sing. I'm not going to. I admire them. And I admire the Turtle Creek crowd. Don't get me wrong. Oh, the irony today. All right, right. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was where you have auditions. Where do you normally audition? Um, it. 
it varies from time to time. Generally, the Salmon Center for the Arts is where we do meet most often, and, and we do have auditions there. Sometimes we do them in churches, um, Cathedral of Hope, um, some other churches as well. But the idea would be have auditions in a church in South Dallas. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. And you have auditions once every year? We do usually twice a year. Twice a year, yeah, okay. Yeah, like spring and fall kind of thing. Okay. To coincide with when the uh, when the concerts would be. Yeah. All right. so, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to bring in something that I heard that was absolutely horrible, um, and not that you would do something like this, but at the Trump rally yesterday, a Republican and Patty, you said this was a woman who said this. Yes. Um, that the abortion decision was a victory for white life. Now talk about exclusion. The corral is worried about, well, we don't have enough members of color. This is saying, well, this is good because uh, white women who, have ab who would think of having abortions won't be able to have them anymore, so we'll have more white babies. Yep. I, I, and the black women who want to have abortions, well, maybe they'll try and... I, I, I don't know. There's, it's, I, it is an interesting timing that a lot of um, prominent people, at least people who have a, uh, have a platform to speak, whether it be on Fox News or some other outlet, have been talking incessantly about the great replacement theory that somehow white people are going to get replaced by non-white people and that it's some sort of um, plan, like, like, you know, an architected plan, kind of like their, their plan to eliminate um, women's rights. You mean somebody like Madison Cawthorn might be voted out of Congress by somebody who has, I don't know, like a brain? Could be, but there are plenty others that need need to be <laughs> that I just yeah, that, that particular great replacement. <laughs> yes, um, but that's but it was a pretty stunning thing to say to a crowd that cheered that, that that went on and on and roared how much they approved of that white life, that victory for white life. Oh, and I then only afterwards did they. They, she tried to, to correct it in a statement saying it was a mix-up of words. She was only going to say right to life. No, it wasn't a mix-up of words. If, if it was a mix-up, she would have heard it coming out of her own mouth and corrected it right, right then. Right then and there. She right. didn't even Oh, a talk. victory for white life meant a victory for right to life. And yeah. That's she, what she, she said. She said what she meant. She said what she meant, She's, and they cheered it. Now, there's a, whole, there's a whole theory about this is why the Supreme Court did what they did. It's just because of that. They want more white babies to be born. Well, and Barrett mentioned it. That was her big thing, too, about the supply of babies. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, I mean, that we're just, um, you know. Okay, so I don't have breeders. a daughter. I don't have a daughter that I had to learn this for. But you mean Laurent did not go to the baby supermarket to <laughs> buy Gabrielle? Well, you know, he should have been able to, but it should have been such a supply as if we don't have, you know, millions of kids in this country in foster care today. Right. Um, today. Today. Not right now. Yeah. And, you know, that the supply, we don't have a supply of babies. Well, and I think what they're thinking is that they don't have a supply of white babies. Yeah, right. We have supply chain issues. And... 
It's, it, I just, I don't understand. I can I'm, I'm tired of trying to get into the brain of somebody who thinks that way. That's, I'm, I've, I've stopped doing that. There's now, no sense in trying. Now, that example probably was the most egregious, uh, most egregious that I've heard so far. But what struck me w wasn't that she said it. It wasn't just that the wrong words came out of her mouth. It wasn't just that she was cheered but that she was standing before a group of at least a thousand people, I guess, and felt comfortable saying that. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we, I mean, yeah. We live in, <laughs> why, why, at this point, why wouldn't they, she be comfortable saying that? <coughs> you can say stuff like that nowadays, and it, you have sheer support. I mean, it's, they, it's, it's out in the open now. Why wouldn't she feel comfortable I'm saying that? I'm hesitating reading her words. <laughs> right. When I'm saying this, that's how uncomfortable I am with this, this whole concept. It, it's so disgusting that I had to write it out, the full thing, so that I would read it correctly. Because it's such a horrible concept, even. This person in front of a thousand people just felt free yeah. to say it. Victory for white yeah. life. That's what... I mean, it, when the president of the United States feels comfortable saying that uh, white nationalists and Nazis, there's there's good people over there also, why wouldn't? Yeah, it's, it's, it's. and and that you know, where's your certificate? Where's your birth certificate? Right, and all yeah. that. Yeah, overtly racist stuff. Overtly racist. Yeah. So it's um, to say it doesn't exist today, and with <clears throat> great approval in one party, I, you'd have to just be blind or. Right. And that's unfair to blind people. That's uh, you'd have to be <laughs> willfully ignorant. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just scary. Um, I'm I'm thrilled that 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 the Turtle Creek Corral is taking this on in such a unique way by commissioning these pieces, and um, that's that's amazing. That's that's going to be a um, hopefully one of many many explorations into this horrible. Incident so that we can learn about it. I didn't learn about this in school, did you? None of us did, no. Um, and, you know, I saw this, this kind of a documentary about the Tulsa massacre and how many people, how many residents there don't even know about it. Oh, yeah, wow. Sean Barr, artistic director, uh, grew up in Tulsa, knew nothing about it right. at all. And then that's kind of how we got on this uh, this work is because he had found out about it and wanted to tell the story so yeah and you know you mentioned the work we're doing so obviously yes we're putting on a concert and that's extremely important and we hope that that tells the story and gets more people engaged the work we're doing internally to us I think is probably more important mm -hmm. um, because we're looking at all the things that we do and how we do them and and making sure that um, that that race is not you know a factor in any of those things and it's it, let me tell you it's tough and and I'm not going to take up for any of these people we've been talking about today but I feel as though um, you know part of the challenge is is owning who you are and and just you know accepting that yes I'm a white male but I can still lead this work I can still help uh, make change um, taking that step and being able to do that is is not easy because not only do you worry about doing the wrong thing for the black people uh, or for the women or for whoever, it's um, the white people. What are they going to think about you? You know, and 
that's not important. It's the work and the story I, and the. I the think people. this is a good example of the corral. I don't think has ever been racist. So right. it's been not racist. Right. Doing this piece helps make the corral anti-racist. Exactly. Yes. And you're and you're working with people. It's not like Correct. you're just like, oh, we think this is how to do it. You're working with people yes. who are part of the story. So that's always the best and, best practice. And you know, too, there um, as as you, you you take your journey together and things things change and and more insights come and. And wherever that leads, um, maybe there'll be another commission piece later about where you arrive. Right. Yeah. In that journey, For sure. and the journey itself. Yeah. That would that would be exciting. Yeah. Looking at just future, I would say beyond this particular season, like into next season, we're doing some work um, and hoping to commission some new pieces uh, to do a July Fourth, like a, a concert, and work with the Lone Star Wind uh, Orchestra and looking at all the people that come to make up America, not just, you know, the ones that we know about, but everybody's America and how that affects mm -hmm. um, everyone, so. Uh, if people would like tickets, the concert is uh, Saturday night next week and Sunday afternoon. Yes. If people want tickets, TurtleCreekCorral.com. And if they want tickets for Carnegie Hall. CarnegieHall.org. Org. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's going to be a third concert. It's going to be in Tulsa. Yes, we're going to take this work to Tulsa um, August 6th. You can get free tickets on our website for that show. Uh, we'll take it and share it with the people there. And Nice. nice. Are, they, are there people there excited about you coming? Are they... Yes, I think. Changing a little bit, maybe. No, no. When we took a like a kind of a journey there about a month or so ago with probably 40 or so of us, went to learn about you know some of this history, and we started talking about it, and they were all, "Come on, bring it!" And that's so. I mean, being real, it'll probably be white people in the audience, but that's who needs to hear this work. That's who we need to be talking to. So. Yeah. Very true. Yep. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Ron Landis and the late Patty Fink. And our guest is Jeremy Wayne, the executive director of the Turtle Creek Corral. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. Hi, this is Patty Fink, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. And I'm Dave Taffet here with Laurent Landis and the late Patty Fink. And our guest is Jeremy Wayne, the executive director of Turtle Creek Corral. If you want tickets to next week's Corral concert, just uh, you can get them online. Uh, just go to uh, Turtle Creek Corral. No, TurtleCreekCorral.com. Yep. Oh, so just before the show, um, now before, before the break, we were talking about uh, Turtle Creek Corral and the, you know, the. Uh, just, just the awful news we got um, Friday um, about the, the Supreme Court ruling to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, but I, I think it's important that we talk about how we got here. Um, this all started back actually during Obama's administration. Yes. And we didn't get um, not, not even a hearing, let alone a confirmation of um, Supreme Court nominee uh, Mary Garland. And it just it, it has snowballed from there. Um, the Republicans, they, they, they methodically did this, and we, we are paying the price. We are paying that price. Um, you know, oh, my God, Hillary's emails. Yeah, I'm going there. Um, this is the price we pay. Mm -hmm. And so now 
you know, you, you, you have um, President Biden who came out, you know, uh, in, out a couple of hours after the decision and was saying, you know, that, you know, we need to vote. And nothing, nothing wrong with what he said, but most of or a lot of us, we vote all the time. We've never, I've, I've never not voted. And it's just like you, you just feel defeated. What else can we do? I don't think there's anything else we can do. We always vote. Some of us. Anyway. Here's something that you can do. You always vote. Danny always votes. Yes. How many of your friends vote? I think most of them. Well, I'll tell you why. There's Don't an assume. awful. There's an awful lot of women, um, and no doubt men as well. But there's an awful lot of women who are sort of nonchalant about voting. Yeah. And I, I think we definitely need to reach out to them in a very proactive way. And have a conversation, because th this is about this is about all of us, but it's about them, and they get this. I mean, women who step out to vote during a presidential election or in a Democratic primary or, or whatever, um, you know, we can we can find them. We need to, and we all need to be having that conversation because this can change, and this is how we maintain the Democrats maintain control of the House. Con of the Congress, both both the House and the Senate. Um, when we have President Biden in office, we can pass and we can codify a, a bill that that maintains and preserves and right. establishes in law. Um, Which they did. Rights, they did. They tried to do that. Um, they did, but it, it didn't go anywhere. Installed in the Senate. Installed in the Senate. Passed overwhelmingly in the House, mm -hmm. and so that's that's the way we can do this. Another is, um, you know, this. The tsunami of hate against trans kids in Texas and um, and, and trans people. Um, we can change everything from governor all the way down through the legislature, but particularly governor, because the governor can veto. Mm -hmm. a, a governor can call special sessions when they're needed, mm -hmm. like now, mm -hmm. <laughs> on on gun safety in our state after Uvalde. Yes, but what can we do about the trans kids that are causing the gun safety issue? Um, that's, you know, that's a great question, and I'm, I'm sure the Republican Party then, that is in leadership now is pondering that. Um, and, but... Uh, I was just going to say that might be a great piece for the corral to, to yeah. blame the trans kids for the gun violence issue. <laughs> it, it could very well be. It'd be as, as good a reason as, as they've come up with so far, other than it's the gun, stupid. <laughs> right. You know, I'm not in. Uh, uh, this is another question that came up. Um, Biden said this, and I've seen him mention this is the first time that the Supreme Court has actually taken away some rights that were already that they that they gave so how long before the pendulum swings the other way where another uh bench can reverse this decision how long you know do, do we have to wait another 50 years well do you think at we'll least see? a generation because do, yeah you have to have yeah i mean it's a lifetime appointment you know um do, do you think we'll see that in our lifetime where the where this decision gets reversed? Yeah, I think the only way it gets reversed is in through the legislative process, not the judicial process. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if if Congress passes a law that says this is a right of every woman to make her own decisions about if and when to have children, with whom and with whom to love, with whom to marry, with whom to practice birth control, 
Um, but Congress can pass, and then somebody can file a lawsuit. He can go to this Supreme Court that's going to overturn it. Right. Well, if I were a judge today, a federal judge today, I would be royally pissed right now because stare decisis means nothing. Right. How do you do your job? How do you go in and listen to a case in a federal court and, and make a ruling that you don't know based on well-established law, and which is their, which is their um, um, that's, that's their mission, that is to, as a federal judge. And then it's going to go up the chain and get completely blown away. Um, how do you even practice you know, practice law under those circumstances. That's a weird thing, too. Yeah. It's like you're relying. This is what uh, one of the, the bad things that the, the right wing is not discussing is this, the incredible instability now in the court. The, yeah. the court is completely off the chain, unpredictable. I mean, anything. If they could do this with a 50-year law and a 161-year-old law or a 63-year law, What's next? Right. I mean, oh. that's no one's the, the trust within the court, and I think um, Justice Sotomayor put it well. Can it survive the stench? Right. And there, the stench is huge. And Justice it's Thomas foul. was real clear. What's next? Birth yeah. control, uh, same-sex relationships, same-sex marriage. He was very clear. He was very clear. And for yeah. the, for all the people who think, oh, it'll never happen. I don't know what more evidence you need that it, it can happen. <laughs> Seriously, what more evidence do you, do you need? And now we're a 50-year-old um, precedent has been overturned. Um, marriage equality has only been legal for seven years. So today. Yeah, today. So it absolutely can be overturned. And there's a great piece in The Advocate that came out, I guess, about a month or two ago. I encourage you to look it up. It basically maps out how they are already planning to get the marriage case back to the Supreme Court. And if they do that in the next year or two, oh, yeah, this bench will absolutely um, reverse it. So, you know, Danny and I were talking, and we're like, how long do you think we'll, how much more long do you think we'll have that, um, before we're considered not married? He said maybe two or three years. And that's scary and sad. It is. It's, it's, it's really scary. And I think as a community... Um, if, if you're listening and you haven't thought about this or paid attention to what's going on, now is the time to, to Google and to research and mm -hmm. to, to find out um, all about this case because it's, they're coming for us. They're coming for they're us. They're coming for us, and they've said they're coming for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they, if, if there's any credit to give... Justice Thomas, he was not vague. <laughs> no, he was not vague at all. He was not vague at all. Just very the idea clear. that in his dissent, right. he named three cases yeah. that he said that they he need, that said need to be how corrected. he would be ruling on them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is unprecedented. Yeah. Now, no other justice on either side concurred with him about that. So they may be leaving him out on his own, but I highly doubt it. I think, no. And what he doesn't realize, he may think he's all that on the court because he's the oldest, longest-serving um, justice on the court today. But do you think those other five white justices aren't going to vote down loving the Virginia? Right. right. In a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. his marriage is going to be invalid. Right. And they'll have done it together. Um, so we'll we'll see where it goes. But uh, if you're if you're listening, if you're an ally, if you're a member of our community, um, aiding and abetting what's going on is is um, 
is is just not right. Yeah. Um, we've got to stand up for ourselves. We and, do, and they're coming for us. And I mean, you know, I've, people who know me personally, I've been saying for years I wanted to move out of Texas, mainly because it's so darn hot. <laughs> um, but this will do it. This will do it. I've already talked to you. Well, we will have to go. This will do it if they overturn our marriage. Okay, we you understand I'm going to have to learn this phone system once and for all that we've had for 30 years <laughs> and figure out how to get you on the line as well as a phone guest on the line at the same time. We'll make it work somehow. Every time I've tried, I knock both of you off the air. So here, here are um, the states where... Um, a woman's choice is not only legal, but is protected in law. Um, so if you're thinking about leaving Texas, here are some options. Washington State, Oregon, California, Nevada, Alaska, Colorado, New Mexico, Minnesota, Illinois, um, and then um, New England, the entirety of New England. New York, Vermont, um, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New Jersey, um, Delaware, and Maryland. And not a single southern state? No. no, not a single southern state at all. And it goes the incomplete other direction. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's against the law. Right. Versus so, being protected. So one of your solutions is that we get people out to vote. And even if you are a voter, it's more important than ever to make sure that your friends get out and vote. Now think um, of everybody in your orbit. and So what and you're saying is the right wing needs to repeal the 19th Amendment. <laughs> a, a woman's right to vote. <laughs> hey, might as well put that on the list of things that we repeal. Birth control. What is Whose it? Whose business is it any of right, theirs? Right. Plus, we've been using birth control in the gay male community not to control birth, but to control death. Yep. Yep. Well, there was a woman that was on, um, I believe it was this morning on one of the shows, a, a, a Republican woman who um, basically said, women, limit your semen intake. Mm -hmm. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> wow. So how do you do that during a rape? Yeah. Great question. Exactly. Great question. Exactly. You know, and it's again, it's those women that I have no patience for yeah, whatsoever. I have no me respect either. for them either. If you're going to be on, on the side of, of of torturing women, of subjugating women to who knows what, then you're not you're not you're not representing me as a woman. Right. You know, just, you know, just like walk off. <laughs> mm. That's crazy. Well, today's show has been exhausting. Uh, talking about racial healing, talking about the abortion issue, talking about basic rights to live your life as an as a gay or lesbian person. But what does that what does that mean, though, when we think about this ruling versus those other cases? Where are they going to are they going to couch it all as it's a state's rights issue? Where we're going to have this patchwork again of where you can be married, where your marriage is recognized, where it's... Wait, well, not only do... Let's hold off on the married thing. Let's talk about Lawrence. One state you might be a criminal, the other state you may not be a criminal. You yep. know? 
that, 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 that one is really bothersome. You want to put us back in the closet um, and make us criminals. Yeah, that's that's really what it is on a state by state basis. On a state by state basis. So how would that work then for Griswold, what, if it's a state's rights issue? Would I mean, is there any state that would say we're going to write a law that says you can't have contraception? Yes. I mean, really? We're living in it. Yeah. You know, but I bet Viagra's available. I bet Cialis, it, right, right. Although, as one decides, calls it broke dick syndrome. <laughs> You know, <laughs> let's what you know. What about that? All right. So uh, I don't know. Well, I want to get back to our racial healing part of the discussion okay. that we've had in the last couple of minutes that we that we have. Um, Dreamland Tulsa 1921 premieres at the Meyerson on July 2nd and 3rd, and then moves to Carnegie Hall in New York. Correct. And then in August, you'll be going up to Tulsa. Yes. And one more time, when are, when are auditions? In August. In August. That's not far away. No. Get ready. Yeah. You can do it. Start, start uh, warming up those lungs. Uh -huh. If you'd like tickets to the Corral concert here in Dallas, it is? TurtleCreekCorral.com. Dot com. Um, boy, the gun ruling that says that states can't regulate guns, the abortion ruling that says the federal government can't regulate abortion, only states can do that. But guns, only federal government can do that. Yeah. That's pro-life how? <coughs> well, I, I'm not even sure that even following his Alito's logic, I don't know, who was it that wrote the opinion? I think it might have been Kavanaugh on the gun. The gun case. Oh, the gun. I'm not sure. Um, but the, Alito's rationale was that there was no, there's no word abortion in the Constitution. Well, there's, there's no women in the Constitution either. Right. There's a lot of things that aren't explicitly written verbatim in the Constitution. And AR-15's not in the, right, in right. the Constitution either. Right. That we hold dear as rights. Right. It's, I don't know, I don't know how they even write these things and expect to right. be considered. Not ludicrously crazy, <laughs> you know. I mean, there are a lot of things. There's not, you know, computer and intellectual property in the Constitution right. either, and yet they hear cases about that all the time. Yeah, it's it's amazing. We are just about out of time. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy, for, Jeremy for having. Me. Appreciate it. <laughs> During this difficult weekend that we're having. Yeah. We appreciate your being here, and good luck with the concerts. Next week, our guest is Omar Narvaez, and I'm sure this discussion will continue with Omar next week. <laughs> For all of us here at Lambda Weekly, try to have a good week. Place where she